0: Hi, I'm Debbie Georgettis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk? Today, we're going to talk about Trump denouncing white supremacy again, the shooters in their own words, Democrats exploiting El Paso while ignoring Dayton, the Democrat media complicity and mission, and tribalism is killing America. And I'll talk about why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned.
1: Debbie Addis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, a Dallas-based company performing advanced technology research in the oil and gas industry.
0: Hi again, and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Thanks for tuning in to today's first five. President Trump gave a press conference this morning in the White House. He made an announcement related to white supremacy. This obviously is in relation to the two horrific killings over the weekend, uh, violent attacks in a Walmart store in El Paso and on a public street in Dayton, Ohio. I'm gonna start by playing his clip and that's what we'll really be focusing on most of the show today is what caused these incidents, who is fair to blame, who's not, and how do we as Americans who love our country and love each other move forward to make a better country, but let's start with President Trump.
1: Good morning. My fellow Americans, this morning our nation is overcome with shock, horror, and sorrow. This weekend, more than 80 people were killed or wounded in two evil attacks. One Saturday morning in El Paso, Texas, a wicked man went to a Walmart store where families were shopping with their loved ones. He shot and murdered 20 people and injured 26 others, including precious little children. Then, in the early hours of Sunday morning Dayton, Ohio, another twisted monster opened fire on a crowded downtown street. He murdered nine people, including his own sister, and injured 27 others. The First Lady and I join all Americans in praying and grieving for the victims, their families, and the survivors. We will stand by their side forever. We will never forget. These barbaric slaughters are an assault upon our communities, an attack upon our nation, and a crime against all of humanity. We are outraged and sickened by this monstrous evil. The cruelty, the hatred, the malice, the bloodshed, and the terror. Our hearts are shattered for every family whose parents, children, husbands, and wives were ripped from their arms and their lives. America weeps for the fallen. We are a loving nation, and our children are entitled to grow up in a just, peaceful, and loving society. Together, we lock arms to shoulder the grief. We ask God in heaven to ease the anguish of those who suffer. And we vow to act with urgent resolve. The shooter in El Paso posted a manifesto online consumed by racist hate. In one voice, our nation must condemn racism, bigotry, and white supremacy. These sinister ideologies must be defeated. Hate has no place in America. Hatred warps the mind, ravages the heart, and devours the soul. We must make sure that those judged to pose a grave risk to public safety do not have access to firearms, and that if they do, those firearms can be taken through rapid due process. That is why I have called for Red Flag Laws, also known as Extreme Risk Protection Orders.
0: You know, folks, listening to that this morning, I did watch the entire thing. It's really it's very moving. President Trump's denouncement of these horrific crimes uh, was was really very um, was profound. It was moving. It was genuine. And I do want to talk about these today, uh, This what happened over the weekend, uh, both in El Paso, Texas, and also in Dayton, Ohio. And obviously, to start with, and really all conversation should start and finish with, just denouncement of the evil and the compassion, love for the victims, uh, support for the victims, the, the willingness of America to stand up against such hatred is vital. The thing that is really um, has bothered so many Americans, myself included, is that there was almost an instantaneous attempt to cr- accuse President Trump in some way of being responsible for these these outrageous, horrific, senseless violence, violent acts, and that was they were just malicious beyond description. Even think of <clears throat> blaming the president for what these people did, and part of what the blame was, of course, related to this endless argument by the American left that uh, Trump is a racist and he's trying to bait. Uh, you know he's trying to create racial tension in america that he is doing things and saying things that that are not right that have a racist overtone i want to remind you in this first five of this uh, just a few historical backgrounds about president trump uh number one was and if you were have listened to my show a long time you know candace owens spoke about this when she began her big effort which has now uh blossomed into blexit the black and latina exit from the democrat party but candace owens talked about growing up in new york city and how the entire black culture in which she grew up viewed President Trump as, in her words, the gold standard. He was a man. He was the guy, the gold standard. This was someone whom not only uh, Candace Owens grew up respecting, President Trump, or then just you know kind of business uh, billionaire Trump, but the entire black community in, in New York City spoke highly of him, said he was the man, the gold standard, the one that they wanted to be like someday. They wanted to emulate him. They wanted to emulate his success. And it was only after President Trump was nominated or announced his uh, candidacy for the presidency that on the American left, people came, started coming out saying, hey, Trump's a racist. Yeah, he's a racist, he's a racist. And this is really what got Candace Owens going in her political um, mission, which was, she essentially says, often when she speaks, it, it, obvious to me, all of these these black Americans in the community where she grew up thought he was the greatest, the gold standard. And suddenly now that he's becoming a, a serious candidate in the Republican Party for the presidency, he's a racist. So that got her looking into the use of the term racist and the use by the American left of the accusation of racism to manipulate Americans, to manipulate Americans into being afraid of and suspicious of their fellow Americans. Also, I remind you, President Trump in his years as you know, businessman Trump in New York City, regularly, he's a very successful man, regularly hung out with and went to events with, was friends with Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton, other black leaders. He was viewed as a guy, and at that time they all thought of him as a Democrat, so they thought he was great, and they were very friendly with him. He has many years of involvement with those two black leaders and others, and all of a sudden, now that he became a presidential candidate for the Republican side, And now as president, many of the players on the American left who idolize him are all of a sudden very comfortable calling him racist. This is not only obviously blatantly dishonest, but it actually is a grave disservice to the American people. It's a grave disservice to have people in the public eye in a casual, irresponsible and often malicious and manipulative way accuse someone of being racist, simply because the simple fact is they don't agree with their politics or they support someone who's on the other side of the aisle, so they don't want to give President Trump any uh, credence, any credit at all. Folks, this is truly egregiously harmful to our culture, to the cultures, to the fabric of the American people. We have problems to solve in this country of a wide variety. We have border issues and tax issues and, and just many, many issues to solve, and when the left Reverts to their kind of their uh, dog whistle motif of just calling anyone who won't agree with them racist. They really hurt all of America, especially the most vulnerable among us, who may not be informed enough to recognize the tactic and the maliciousness with which the Americans acting. So, uh, Trump called out this morning, uh, in addition to just calling out against white supremacy and racism, and he denounced it in very strong terms. He also uh, took the time to talk about. Moving forward and dealing with mental health issues, you know, moving forward to protect Americans from other citizens who may be dangerous and maybe shouldn't have guns. I'm not going to get into the specifics of the policies he brought out today, but I just want to really focus on the shooters, what happened, and the political reaction. And that, my friends, is today's first five. The next thing I wanted to turn to is the shooters in their own words. And you know, if you're—I meant to say, obviously, at the beginning. You probably can tell I'm not in my usual studio in Dallas, Texas. Uh, we are on vacation. We're having a family reunion, and we have um, we're, we're visiting uh, friends and family in California. So uh, this is a very makeshift studio. And um, but I just I didn't want to miss a chance to talk with you. As I love doing this show every day, I, I really miss it on the days I don't do it. I love doing this show. I will be doing it every Monday. The first three Mondays in August. Today, the fifth, the twelfth, the nineteenth. And I'll be back in studio, full time, regular schedule, the day after Labor Day. But this is uh, the obviously my uh, homespun studio. So um, hope you like its casual look. Okay. I want to turn and talk about the shooters. And again, there were two incidents. And I know probably everyone listening already knows about them. Uh, one was an incident in my home state of Texas in a Walmart in El Paso, Texas. And the other was on a street in Dayton, Ohio. The Walmart shooter in El Paso, Texas, Patrick Crucius. Was actually a native of an area near Dallas, right? Live and so it's, uh, he was a little north of Dallas, but in that general area, and he put online a very, very lengthy diatribe. He basically published a long thing saying, you know, this is what what I'm about to do and why I'm going to do it, and blah blah blah. Among the things that he put in his irrational diatribe, and by the way, the number of people who that uh, who died as a result of his shooting the short as of this morning. Up to 22 uh, and also 26 injured but um this guy who was a um you know a a texas guy grew up and went to a public high school uh near us um attacked a variety of things uh some from sounding like more like a conservative and he was and or a kind of republican issues and some like democrat issues i just want to say one note of caution before i dive into what the shoot the shooter said it does very little good to analyze the rantings of a lunatic. This guy is a lunatic. I hope he gets a death penalty. He should get the death penalty, and I'm going to guess he will. But it does very little good to analyze uh, who's to blame, you know, what what did he believe in that maybe uh, we could fix in the future. Trying to create rational policy out of the rantings of an insane person is not wise. I only want to discuss the content of the what the shooter said to make clear how extremely extraordinarily dishonest it is of the pre- Democratic Democratic presidential candidates of others on the American left to blame Trump or Fox News or Republicans for this man's actions. this man is a lunatic and he did have things both sides of the aisle if you want to call it that um, in his ranting he had a long blather. Um, about uh, the environment and how people are destroying the environment and and that the world be better off, the world be more sustainable. His words, uh, the decimation of the environment is creating a massive burden for future generations. Uh, We're shamelessly over-harvesting our resources. Um, If we can get rid of enough people, then our way of life can become more sustainable. Sounds pretty left-wing to me. He did have things in there about uh, too many Hispanics in America, the Hispanic invasion. Um, and so he just, you know, it's rantings of a lunatic, but I wanted to be sure to point out that what he's talking about here, you know, it, it, on the one hand, give any credence. So on the other hand, if you are going to be an honest critic, as the Democrats are trying to do, they're trying to lay blame at the feet of the of Fox News, Republicans, President Trump for this uh, shooter's conduct, there is no basis in reality or rationality to do that. The shooter uh, ranted about Hispanics. He ran about he was against uh, free health care for illegals. He's against open borders. Um, he is a radical environmentalist. I mean, just an extreme environmentalist. And I'm not sure whether it's he or the other one who used the term AOC has been using about not keeping uh, children in um, in concentration camps. Um, and no, he also denounces urban sprawl, another left-wing view. He wants very much to control where people can live and doesn't like urban sprawl. Doesn't like uh, want to. He wants all these la- these acres of land never to be developed and people be able to live there. Um, so you know he's just a complete lunatic. But you know the point of raising and again this one I'm speaking about is Patrick Crucius, the Walmart shooter at El Paso. But his uh, diatribe online, which you can read if you go to our website, AmericaCanWeTalk.org, and under the shows homepage, go down list of links. You can read it if you want to. But it's really important to understand. That he did not uh, follow uh, any right-wing or left-wing viewpoint. He's he's a lunatic, but plenty of things he said could be point. You could, if you're trying to point a finger of blame, you could blame the left. The other uh, second shooter, the Dayton shooter, the guy who shot up a neighborhood um, in Dayton, Ohio, Connor Betts. He actually ended up killing his own sister. He uh, killed nine people, also injured 26. His Twitter homepage, Connor Betts, shooter in Dayton, um in uh, Dayton, Ohio. His homepage uh, describes him on Twitter. He he chooses his pronouns. He, him, um, metalhead, leftist, calls himself a leftist. I'm going to hell. I'm not coming back. On the Twitter account, he promoted Antifa. He retweeted Antifa. He promoted the Democrat Socialists of America. He announced himself a supporter of Elizabeth Warren. Um, uh, He's the one who mentioned concentration camps. Made popular by um, AOC. He said um, he, he supported the Antifa terrorist who was in uh, Tacoma, Washington, in like the middle of July, I think it was, um, throwing weapons and throwing incendiary things into an ICE facility in uh, Tacoma where uh, the police actually ended up killing this terrorist. He supported that Antifa terrorist as a, in his words, martyr. He said he would happily vote for Democrat Elizabeth Warren. Um, he, he sent a tweet out saying, I want socialism and I'll not wait for the idiots to finally come around to understanding. Um, so it goes on and on. You can find countless eff- uh, examples of his willingness uh, on social media to praise left-wing views. So the idea that somehow we're going to point these two incidents and point clear, specific political blame at somebody is absurd and dishonest. And especially absurd and dishonest, because it is not, I have not seen yet the and, and either uh, the Republican side efforts to point fingers at the uh, Democrats and saying, oh, this is all your fault. But the Democrat presidential candidates have leaned into this story and decided this is their their issue. This is their way. They're going to get the stories. Um, they're they're going to find blame, uh, to lay at the feet of President Trump. And the next, thing I want to turn to is kind of you know politically what these um, what these uh, how these uh, Democrats are exploiting the El Paso incident and obviously trying to ignore Dayton because the Dayton shooter clearly is a leftist um, he called himself a leftist loves Elizabeth Warren but the Democrat presidential candidates are trying to turn this against President Trump and I want to call it out as just uh, evil doesn't even seem a strong enough word we have. Families, in, you know you know how it is, everyone listening to this show, you've lost loved ones in your family, and almost everybody has. You've lost loved ones, it's devastating. It's it, it just a hole in your heart you think will never be, be filled again. You have all of the things you have to do following the passing of a loved one, and just all of the pain that a family goes through and friends go through, realizing I'll never see my friend again, my mother, my daughter, my husband, whoever that all these people were in both incidents, this is the real thing that's happening in America. and It's the real thing that pretty much everyone in America ought to be able to recognize is happening around this country. What you have instead out of the left is immediately, before the funerals have even been held, tweets and posts and rantings and interviews pretty much by all the Democrat presidential candidates blaming President Trump for these incidents. There is no connection in reality, in rationality, to lay these incidents at the feet of President Trump. None, zip, zero, nada. Yet, I'll just, I can read you, Cory Booker, there's no mustering of will to focus on right-wing white supremacist terror attacks. I, I agree with him that, there, there, that white supremacy is a horrible thing. It's complete hogwash to call it right-wing. White supremacy is not right-wing racism is not right-wing. Only in the delusional and wishful thinking in the mind of Cory Booker does he try to connect right-wing and and uh, white supremacy. And so he rants about it and goes on and on about Trump and the re- Trump's rhetoric. And this is another we're going to get to a little bit later in the show, but a huge problem that is has to be exposed and called out and talked about more is the media in this country has just saluted like a private saluting to a general. Whatever the left-wing mob in Washington wants to be the narrative is what the media puts out as the narrative. So his constant reference to President Trump, well, his dangerous rhetoric, his his harsh rhetoric, his hateful rhetoric. And you know, I I gotta tell you folks, he, President Trump stays plain. He is not a, you know, a um, senatorial uh, style statesman speaker. Although he was wonderful today and has been one of many other occasions, but he speaks from the heart. He speaks as he sees things. And this is why, among many reasons why he won the election in 2016, why so many voters are really f- feel loyal to him, because he calls it like it is. And so to whenever, for example, President Trump points out, We have a major problem at the border. We have an insecure border. We have, we're being overrun at the border. This is like an invasion. It is like an invasion. But that was one example of, I think it was Cory Booker called out when President Trump calls, you know, the the crowds at the border an invasion, you know, this is hateful rhetoric. No, it's not. It's not hateful to say things that are true. It is not hateful to point out we have a major problem when you have caravans coming from Four other countries in Central America and coming through our southern border, marching across all of Mexico and presenting at the southern border and demanding to be let in, you can call it an invasion. Trump doesn't say it anything about race, color, ethnicity, national origin. He's just saying people trying to, uh, you know, to overrun our border, to bulldoze Border Patrol, to, to sneak through that would be an invasion. But that's an example. Or Cory Booker saying, you know, that is an example of right-wing hateful rhetoric. Um, there were comments also by, um, you know, virtually every Democrat presidential candidate. Uh, Cory Booker uh, went wild, um, as did um, Kamala Harris and, uh, oh, Beto O'Rourke, just, just all of them. They all piled on trying to say essentially that this ent- these two incidents, especially El Paso, is the fault of the president's rhetoric. They have, they're trying to exploit these unfortunate, unbelievably sad, horrific incidents, trying to exploit them for their political advantage. That's what the Democrat presidential candidates are doing. They're taking an incident that had nothing in the world to do with President Trump and to exploit those incidents. And two, for their political advantage, try to say, see, see, I'm running for president. I'd be better because look what happened. And this is all Trump's fault. And honest to goodness, I think a lot of people were thinking, I hope Trump doesn't even respond to them because they're just, it's absurd to be blaming him for what what happened. But I think I actually liked President Trump's press conference this morning. Um, I thought it was wise to openly say again, of course, we oppose the um of course, we oppose white supremacy. Of course, it's evil. Of course, it's awful. We, we you know, he talked uh, quite eloquently eloquently about the um, incidents uh, that happened and what we have to do and how we have to come together as a nation. I, I thought he was really eloquent, and I think he had to respond because the left wing, and again, it's the media mob. It's not really just uh, a few candidates saying things. The media carries this weapon for uh, for the Democrats over and over and over and over. They do it because, honest-to-goodness folks, if you stop and think about it, what do the Democrats have to run on in this election cycle? The economy is great, the border is getting more secure, jobs are coming back to America, we're fixing the astounding corruption in Washington slowly, we're getting rid of unburdensome regulation, they're allowing businesses to grow and thrive. Every major indicator in our country in terms of the health of our economy is doing better and better and better. The Democrats have nothing to run on. So they are seizing on these instances, it, both at El Paso and Dayton, but mostly El Paso, as their ticket to this is how I'm going to get relevance and how I'm going to get headlines. I'm going to find the most outrageous thing I can possibly say about President Trump. I'm going to find the most outrageous thing I can possibly say and a way to accuse him or attribute these actions to um, by these lunatic people to President Trump. It is truly it's, it's beyond shameful, it, it beyond shameful. It's just a, it, it's such a it's such a horrible black mark, uh, really a black eye and the Democrat Party and all of their candidates that they can't think of anything better to do or talk about than trying to blame President Trump for these. Horrific instance. I was going to lit- read you a, a litany of all the tweets and posts, but I almost don't want to humor them. I don't want to give them and imply they have validity because you know they're just they're an absurd effort, an absurd effort to try to say that because these things happen it must be Trump's fault. And I think, as I say, I think Trump was right to um, to just to, to speak up again about white supremacy as he as he has in the past. And you know, one thing is very interesting. Um, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, in several recent interviews um, has been asked about things, basically saying, do you think that violence is justified? And it's kind of a funny thing because for number one, the Dayton shooter mentioned her. He obviously follows AOC. He's taking her concentration camp headline uh, that she tried to say that, you know, restraining people at the border who enter illegally and, and putting them in, and, you know, and restraining them in some way, the same way that President Obama did, that somehow Trump did it, it constitutes concentration camps. And someone tried to ask her, hey, you know, don't you think it's a little bit troublesome? I mean, he's, he, you obviously, you triggered this guy, you use language like concentration camps, and the guy goes off and shoots up some people in Daytona. Don't you feel responsible? She wouldn't answer that at all, would not answer. But two other things that she has done, I think, really, really bear, um, just a reminder here, because the left is always trying to say they're not the ones that are ever responsible for violence. But AOC was asked in an interview recently, essentially, you know, about violence in uh, Israel and the Palestinians, and she, she very much justified it. Um, she just said, you know, these are um, these are uh, people who have no path forward, nothing else to do. or What else are they supposed to do? They're marginalized and marginalized. They don't have a choice, to, um, blah, blah, blah. They have no choice but to riot, right? And then there was the Antifa attacker. You remember that story? The Antifa attacker who attacked the um, ICE facility in Tacoma, Washington, mid-July. And he was v- very violent, throwing uh, projectiles and um, explosive devices toward this ICE detention center. And uh, the police actually ended up shooting and killing him. And one reporter asked AOC, you know, you you brought so much attention to these detention centers and you're calling ice evil blah blah do you feel at all responsible do you think it could be partly your responsibility that these people this guy engaged in this conduct and uh, she's having none of it no way you know she can stir people up stir up hatred stir up hatred against the uh, ice facility stir up hatred against the president hatred against uh the border patrol and yet if someone acts on the very thing she's saying she's like oh not my fault not my fault well i gotta tell you folks i think this is a You know, I I want to get to these stories, really to get around to talking a few more uh, serious issues that all kind of um, grow out of or gel around this issue, what happened over the week and these horrific shootings and how we as an American people handle them. One more point I want to get to has to do with the way the media engages in its conversation, the media's complicit in these actions. I mentioned, media complicity with the idea of saying this. I want to just run through a few incidents in which the media was completely complicit with the American left's endless determination to paint America as a racist country. Endless determination. It is what the Democrats run on is trying to gin up uh, fear and doubt among American people about their neighbors, fear up, you know, scare up a belief in, in, that America is a deeply racist country, that you can barely get by in the morning, this country is so racist. And this is really what all the Democrats running on the, for president are talking about, the way they depict and describe America. They plant the seeds that America is a terrible, awful, evil, racist place. They attribute racism as a motive to pretty much anything the conservative side stands for, whether you're talking about uh, border security or building the wall or the tax structure or environmental uh, law issues, regulations, pretty much any issue you can think of, conservatives, Republicans have proposals, have ideas, and the answer of the leftists is to call the GOP racist. There is It is what their answer is to almost every issue. Just last week, AOC said in an interview that she feels sure that President Trump's determination to secure our border is rooted in racism. And now I want to get to the media's complicity and give you just a few examples. You uh, may remember that uh, when Joe Biden, President, Vice President Biden, announced his candidacy for the presidency, it was in April, I think. Yeah, like in April this year. He made his announcement for the presidency, and in that announcement, he said... The reason he was running is because of what President Trump said about the riots in Charlottesville. Let me remind you, in Charlottesville, the battle was about whether or not to remove a Civil War era statue. There are people in America who think that all statues that in any way honor the Confederacy, the southern side of the Civil War, should be removed from public eye, should never be allowed to be there. That's that's the the remove people. And then there are people who say, no, we have a lot of reasons that we should keep our history intact, keep our monuments intact. We should keep these intact because we don't destroy our history. That's what totalitarians do. Frankly, it's what radical Muslims do. We don't do that here. We keep our statues in place. So it was a very raucous protest in Charlottesville over whether we kept that statue or we got rid of it. There was one or more white supremacist groups that there were one or more white supremacist groups who showed up at that rally. And so it was a very ugly rally, and it ended up in violence, and one woman, very unfortunately, was killed. So in this, and the aftermath, President Trump, in making reference to that there are two sides of the question of whether or not we should remove Civil War statues, whether or not we should do that, President Trump said there are fine people on both sides of the debate. Fine people who agree we should keep the statues up, fine people who think we should take them down. He never, ever, ever, ever called the white supremacists fine people. But when Joe Biden announced his candidacy for the presidency, he actually said he was running because President Trump called white supremacists fine people. Now, I want to play just one clip for you from President Trump relating to Charlottesville. This is one of many examples of times he clarified, he pointed out, he said again, he never called the supremacists fine people. But here we go with clip two of President Trump, if we have him.
1: Based on the events that took place over the weekend in Charlottesville, Virginia, I would like to provide the nation with an update on the ongoing federal response to the horrific attack and violence that was witnessed by everyone. I just met with FBI Director Christopher Wray and Attorney General Jeff Sessions. The Department of Justice has opened a civil rights investigation into the deadly car attack that killed one innocent American and wounded 20 others. To anyone who acted criminally in this weekend's racist violence, you will be held fully accountable. Justice will be delivered. As I said on Saturday, we condemn in the strongest possible terms this egregious display of hatred, bigotry, and violence. It has no place in America. And as I have said many times before, No matter the color of our skin, we all live under the same laws. We all salute the same great flag. And we are all made by the same almighty God. We must love each other, show affection for each other, and unite together in condemnation of hatred, bigotry, and violence. We must rediscover the bonds of love and loyalty that bring us together as Americans. Racism is evil, and those who cause violence in its name are criminals and thugs, including the KKK, neo-Nazis, white supremacists, and other hate groups that are repugnant to everything we hold dear as Americans. We are a nation founded on the truth that all of us are created equal. We are equal in the eyes of our creator, we are equal under the law, and we are equal under our constitution.
0: <clears throat> the reason I want to play that is this, that was not the only time in which President Trump clearly unequivocally denounced racism, denounced white supremacism, and, and I could read you all the other times, but I don't want to take up time in the show to do that. But the point is, when Joe Biden made an announcement to run for the presidency in April of 2019, April this year, and he said President Trump called the white supremacist fine people, I cannot point you to one mainstream media outlet that called out Biden for that lie. Biden didn't slightly massage the truth. He didn't slightly mistake. He bold faced lied to the American people to you and to everyone listening to his announcement and claiming that Trump said that fine, that the the white supremacists were fine people. But the point in this show today, talking about what happened over the weekend, this is the media is profoundly complicit in what racial tension exists in our country. Profoundly complicit in the effort of the American left to turn Americans against each other, to create a racist society, to create racial tension to encourage people to be suspicious of each other. The the left generates racism. They create racism by lies. So back to Biden, not one media outlet said, President Joe Biden, who announced his candidacy for the presidency with a lie. I want you to think about this example. First of all, when Richard Nixon's name is ever mentioned forever and all time, the media will say Richard Nixon, who resigned in disgrace because he did. Okay, so they want to tag that with him. Biden should have been tagged with Biden, who announces candidacy based on a lie. Biden, who lied when he announces candidacy. But the Biden lie of trying to plant the idea of Americans that Trump is a racist, that lie was okay with the media. They were fine with it. They had no effort, no willingness, no desire whatsoever to correct that, to point out. Biden lied a similar one I talk about the media's complicity you know uh, you remember back in the Obama era when we had um, the most unfortunate incident Michael Brown was killed uh, by a police officer in Ferguson Missouri in August of 2014 if you watch my show you know in fact you can go back and watch this show it was in January of this year I don't know the date maybe January 23rd but January of this year we ran this more detailed story Michael Brown, and I am sorry for any young person to lose their life. I'm sorry a police officer ever ends up killing a civilian. I want our police officers to be safe. I want our civilians to be safe. But in the Michael Brown case, there was a witness at the uh, hearing in in, uh, Ferguson, at the hearing at the grand jury, a woman who is black. She's from Missouri she was an eyewitness to the shooting she was sitting in the passenger seat of a van as which was stopped she saw the whole thing this black woman her name was sierra jenkins i'm pretty sure she testified to the grand jury that michael brown was charging the officer and in her words that officer had no choice she said this woman telling the grand jury Michael Brown never stopped charging the officer. He never stopped. He never put his hands up. He never said, don't shoot. You have to realize the significance of that. Michael Brown never put his hands up, and he never said, don't shoot. This is the reason the grand jury did not come back with an indictment against the officer. This is the reason the further investigation at the federal level resulted in the same outcome. Because the fact was, whether Michael Brown was the one terrible or whatever you think about Michael Brown and his whole family or anything else about Ferguson, Missouri, in that instant, in that time, when the officer had already been punched once by Michael Brown that day, and he's being charged by a very large young man. Michael Brown was a big man, a big, you know, nearly grown man, charging this officer who knew he was, already knew he was violent because he'd been punched by him already, The officers yelling, stop, 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 stop. And Michael Brown charged him, never put his hands up, never said don't shoot. And yet you ask 25 people today, how many of you know that that's the case? How many people in America know that Michael Brown never put his hands up and never said don't shoot? And the reason that matters is this, that incident along with a few others was a major effort by the American left to attack police to paint police as racist, to paint Republicans as racist, though they weren't really involved in it at all. And it is one of the major instances in which America has, we've suffered in the last decade or more with the fear and concern about our country that America has, has, racism has a huge problem, that we have to resolve it, that we had a poor kid who hadn't done anything wrong and he was just shot, even after he stopped and put his hands up and he sat and he was obviously surrendering. And it wasn't true ask yourself how many all the times you hear michael brown and hands up don't shoot how many in the mainstream media point this out actually michael brown never said don't shoot michael brown never stopped charging the officer michael brown never put his hands up how many people know that how many people in the media ever 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 point that out and it matters facts matter truth matters but in the era of obama President Obama never, ever, ever had the integrity to say to the American people, look, you know, people I still think that, you know, I still think we have a problem with the police in this country. I still think we have to do some investigating and soul searching and policy changing and, you know, looking inside police departments. But in this case, the fact is Michael Brown, never stopped charging never put his hands up never said don't shoot that would have been incumbent on an honest president it was incumbent on president obama to raise that he didn't do it he let the nation marinate in the outrage and the upset and the in the anger that was the aftermath of the michael brown incident never ever having the moral courage to stand up and say the truth and frankly, neither did the media. So back to media complicity in the way this country is painted, in the way that this whole white supremacist uh, narrative has been pushed forward. Think of the difference in the American population if everyone knew, well, you know, actually, Michael Brown, that that's not what happened. I mean, he wasn't, sh- he didn't put his hands up and say, don't, don't shoot a shot while well, he was surrendered. Imagine the difference in the narrative. The left benefits from the narrative of convincing America we have a deeply racist country. President Obama played along with that narrative. He wouldn't tell the truth, and neither would the media. If you go back to my show, again, I think it was January 23rd, you can look back at old shows. We talk about the Michael Brown case. You can actually go to a play that was put on. A play was created where actors simply read the exact words of the witnesses to the grand jury hearing you can actually read what the grand jury heard because even the grand jury outcome was criticized by the left as racist oh they're fine letting this kid go letting this cop go they had no of course they had to acquit him when once they hear that okay i digress but there are a whole bunch of other ones uh, of these um you know, big problems with the uh, media not, uh, not wanting to tell the truth, not wanting, and, and kind of perpetuating the narrative, never speaking up and saying the true narrative about Charlottesville, and, and never pointing out Trump never said that the rate of supremacists refined people, Biden never being corrected. The media is complicit in what the left is doing on these issues, and it is extraordinarily harmful to our great country. And the last thing I want to kind of go through today my uh, term I had for it is I called it tribalism is killing America but I really want to focus on this idea uh, and, and talk about a little bit tribalism this idea that you know we had when uh, this the America's uh, forebears when our ancestors came to America from England you know they had a um they had a um awakening when they came to America to discover the Native American tribes in America were very, that's the word tribalism is is easy to get the idea of it by thinking about that era. There were many, many Native American tribes who had, even before the settlers arrived, engaged in war against each other, killed each other, stole each other's stuff. I mean, tribalism the idea of just identifying, uh, claiming your identity, uh, identifying yourself mostly with your skin color, race, or ethnicity, and claiming that to be who you are. And it's one of the beautiful, extraordinary, great things about America is that we were founded as a nation that as we recite, it was recited in the Declaration of Independence and carried forward since all the time that America has been in existence, that we were founded as a nation that we recognize, our founders wrote in the Declaration the idea that we all are created equal. We're all created equal. We have rights from our creator simply because we were born. That's what we have. And we have in our country this idea that we had um, We had the, the notion in our country that we were um, going to agree with ourselves. I'm sorry, I'm trying to fix my timer. Sorry. Trying to agree with ourselves uh, that we were going to have all men equal under the law. We had a rule of law that applied to everyone that this we were gonna get rid of, whether it was England and the Royal family and the royalties and the and the and the high class people and the peasants, we tried to make a nation, our our country our founders tried to make a nation with this precious, precious idea that we have rights from God simply because we're born, the very purpose of government is to protect those rights. The very purpose of having a government is to protect those rights that the government exists by the consent of the governed all of these ideas but the rule of law idea is a higher and better idea than the tribalism that simply said I identify my tribe you're your tribe we are we hate each other forever we fight each other forever America found a way for humanity to live in a higher and better way a higher and better way to reject the idea that our primary identity in all of life is an identity based on our skin color, race, ethnicity, what country our ancestors happen to have come from. That is the idea that this, this precious idea America was founded on is a premise for, for fighting against tribalism. You're not great in our country because of the color of your skin, of your race, of your ethnicity, of your national origin. The idea of America is you have value as an individual, as a child of God, we have rights from our creator. We all have the same rights. And we created a country, a, a nation rooted on that idea. The American left works to create tribalism in this country. That's what the endless effort is of the American left to have hyphenated American groups. So we have African-Americans pitted against Asian-Americans and Hispanic-Americans. And now the left has gotten to this term people of color because their goal is of course to try to have anyone, they want to you know, have the biggest tent they can to pit themselves against white people. This is the mission of the American left. This tribalism idea is just, it, it's gotten sad and horrific and bad for America. It's gotten a new energy, a rebirth in today's Democrat party. That the idea that we are function based on tribalism, that we, we think of our rights, our identity, ourselves, our individuality as tribal versus as American versus as the idea of being an American, of being a person who is blessed enough to live in this extraordinary country that guarantees us rights from our founding, as as recited in the Declaration of Independence, as carried forth in the whole idea of creating America. The entire creation of America was around the idea of protecting the individual and that individual's right to live in freedom and to be judged as an individual, not judged by the color of their skin and not judged by their, the, the conduct of other people who happen to have the same color skin. This is, this is antithetical to what America was founded on, this idea that we're going to become tribalistic. And, and the American left, just when they spend so much political, insulting people, calling people racist, AOC says, if you want to have a secure border, you must be a racist. In fact, many of the major universities now include in the discussion of environmental policy and their global climate change discussion concepts of race or talk about environmental racism, very trendy thing to be talking about. The idea of racism is infecting the conversation on thousands and thousands of subjects. And it is we simply must, as a nation, decide that we're going to put a stop to that, that we're going to reject it, we're going to call it out. I always say on my show, I want to end with trying to say something about what does matter about America. It matters that we stand up for the ideas that are right. We don't get bullied by the people calling us racist. And we work really, really hard in this country to expose the people who spend so much time making false accusations of racism, work harder and better at treating our neighbor as ourselves, loving our neighbor as ourselves. Now, in this last minute, I wanna ask Matt, the wonderful producer, I wanna bring up uh, why it matters to you for today. And that is this, this white supremacy, this President Trump's tones were wonderful this morning. There's no party in this country stands for white supremacy and the Dems need to stop claiming that Republicans do. This white supremacy mean, meme that the democrat media mob is seeks it, it, it label trump supporters is it, baseless it's inexcusable is yet another incendiary and just ridiculous for uh for the left to be claiming this um and you know some folks i'm tr- struggling trying to find my okay here we go i can't read these here we go okay so go ahead and white supremacist meme. the democrat media mob is seeking is wrong we just have to um We just have to denounce it. Okay, here we go. Sorry, I could not get up on my phone. Okay, next one: why it matters to you. Um, First one, to be really clear, no party in this country stands for white supremacy. These are thoughts, the shooters, in their own words, these are thoughts of ignorant, sick, poorly depraved individuals to politicize them and trivialize their insanity and inhumanity to blame one party or person for them as irresponsible, dishonest, exploitation. On the Dems exploiting El Paso, ignoring Dayton, from Cory Booker, AOC, Elizabeth Warren, Beto, many more, this is shameful exploitation of a true and painful, outrageous tragedy. Trying to score cheap political points by blaming Trump and Fox ought to cost them political points. The media's complicity, Joe Biden's campaign, you know, you heard what I just said. It's outrageous that the the media never called Biden out about a lie about Trump. He never said white supremacists are fine. People, absolutely false. Biden shows the theme because he knew the media would hang in there with him, would never call him out. Is it any wonder unstable people who are fed false, inflammatory narratives do insane things? Media complicity Michael Brown, the hands up, don't shoot lie. The legacy of Obama and Holder neither ever corrected it in the same way they never point out. Biden launched this campaign in a lie. They never called attention to this and other incidents as false racist attacks. Today, the media creates and perpetuates false narratives. Again, secure borders, loving America, even calling out Baltimore as reality, these are not racist themes. Tribalism really is killing America. The spirit of America's founding is all men and women are created equal, and e pluribus unum, out of many, one. Group identity politics is the contemporary term for tribalism, endlessly claiming racism when there are no grounds for it, and it hurts America. We cannot pursue racial or political identity tribalism and pursue unity in America. The solution is to rediscover what America means, and to do that, stay tuned to America Can We Talk. Friends, love talking with you. Again, I'll be back next week on Mondays in August, so Monday, August 12th, 3 p.m. Central Time. We'll be back full-time right after Labor Day, and I will talk to you then. And thank you so much for tuning in and speak up for America, because America matters. Talk to you next week.
1: we talk truth about America.